praise God. And um, thank God I've, I've got a 10-minute message today. But I think I could stretch it. You know I can, praise the Lord. So um, if you want to get your Bibles, and look, I, while you're doing this, I'm going to make a little advertisement here for the good old B-I-B-L-E. Uh, and you want to be turning to Psalm 40 and verse 16. Um, I began a series called Atmosphere of Praise last week. I want to continue with that. Um, listen, I want to make an appeal for the analog Bible this morning. I know we live in a digital age, and I almost never see anyone bring a Bible to church. And just out of curiosity, who's actually got an analog Bible with them this morning? Hold it up. We used to say back in the 70s, wave it around the air, make the devil mad, but I'm not sure that always worked. Um, okay, look, I, I'd like to challenge you, really. If you don't have one, go get a paper Bible, tuck it under your arm, bring it to church. Just start bringing a Bible. I think Christians need to be seen in public with a Bible tucked under their arm. You know, we let ourselves, somebody said something about this this morning, be intimidated all the time. Nobody wants to look like they're not cool or they're not with it or they're not erudite or they're not uh, sophisticated or they're not compassionate. The idea of equating the Bible with hate is a satanic, listen to me, is a satanic strategy. And you need to make sure that that thought never has a place in your mind, ever. This is the story of the love of God. Yeah, it's got a lot of ugly stuff in it because this is a world with a lot of ugly stuff. God's got a lot of work to do with us. But I want to encourage you. The world, they're putting their manifesto out. They're shouting it. They're burning it into our cities. Let me tell you, they're not the least bit shy about it. And they're not letting up. They are ripping every publication statues, anything that represents the old world, as they call it, and replacing it. Let me tell you, the difference between being awake and being woke is a battle. It is a war. So, you know what? Christians need to reemerge. No more troglodytes hiding out in the trenches of church. We need to get out of these trenches and the first thing we do is you grab our Bible and stick it up on the dashboard of your car. Tuck it up under your arm when you come to church. Get it out and use it. Now, I know you like the digital Bible. It's fine. If you want to use that, just set the Bible on the chair beside you, but bring it. Be seen with a Bible. I think there's something to be said about that. I'm not getting a lot of amens here, but I do appreciate those couple of nods that I see. All right, Atmosphere of Praise, part two, the power of rejoicing. The power of rejoicing. Has anybody realized in the past couple of years the intensifying of the density of heaviness in the atmosphere? I remember years ago when you couldn't shut Christians up. You'd say church is beginning and before you even started, they'd be up shouting, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Glory. They'd be down at the altar. When you said we're going to have prayer, you didn't have to announce or lead anything. And if you wanted to say something, you had to shut everybody up. Start, simmer down, you guys. 
I remember I used to have to calm down the church services to, to preach. I'd say, look, just simmer down, sit down, I've got to preach. And, and um, Christians were just loud. And they were full of praise, constantly rejoicing. But I'll tell you, there has come a density over this world, over our nation. And believers are more silent, more withdrawn, more introspective, more thinking, less praising than I have ever seen at any other time. And it is the absolute wrong direction for the church. This is the worst time for us to simmer down. This is the time we need to be rising up. This is a time we need to recapture what the Bible talks about when it says rejoice, and again I say rejoice. So Psalm 40 verse 16 says, and listen to the words carefully. I don't know about you, but I'm a word. I like to dissect and think what did the Holy Spirit mean when you use these phrases? So listen to these phrases. Let all those that seek you rejoice and be joyful in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. So I want to grab that phrase. Let all those that want to seek you, let them rejoice and let them be joyful in you. Do you want to seek the Lord? Rejoice. That's what God is saying. If you want to seek the Lord, start with rejoicing. Rejoicing comes first. In fact, I'll tell you something, just a little fact to help support the, um, uh, the prominence of what I'm trying to say this morning, is that the most repeated commandment in the Bible has nothing to do with drinking, smoking, uh, sexual compromise, or any other things that we know that are immoral or wrong according to Scripture. The most quoted commandment in the Bible, guess what? It's rejoice. I know, shocking, isn't it? Rejoice. That commandment is repeated more than any other commandment in the Bible. That's the thing that God is most concerned about. Because if His people will rejoice, then most of the other things in, in their stride will be taken care of. Amen. So Philippians 4 and 4, I quoted, it says that Paul wrote, Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Why did he say, and again I say rejoice? Because we live under a spiritual tyranny. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. That's why I preached that message last week about atmosphere. Don't live under your atmosphere. Take charge of your atmosphere. God has called Christians to rule the atmosphere. So there's three things that you need to know this morning about rejoicing. And the first one is rejoicing puts things right. Has your family gotten to a position where it's like, what are we going to do? These relationships are falling apart. What about you? You've gotten yourself into a place where you're just stuck or any problem, mix up, any traffic jam in our life. How do we get out of this? How do we put it right? Rejoicing puts things right. I know it seems simplistic. By the time I'm done with this message, you'll probably go, 
Wow, rejoicing does put things right. In uh, the Gospel of Matthew, it records that Jesus replied to them and said, Have you never read, Out of the mouth of babes and unweaned infants, you have provided perfect praise. Out of the mouth of babes, you have ordained, or you have provided, or you have made perfect praise. Now, he was quoting Psalm 8 and verse 2, Jesus was. But Psalm 8 verse 2, the wording is a little different. Jesus actually took it upon himself, can you believe it, to translate some of the scripture out of the Old Testament. He put his own spin on it. Because Psalm 8.2 says, Out of the mouth of babes and unweaned infants, you have established strength. He doesn't say praise. He says strength. Out of the mouth of babes, you have established, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, so that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. That's exactly what Psalm 2 says. So Jesus reaches back, grabs Psalm 8, verse 2, and he says, Out of the mouth of babes, have you never read where God said you have ordained perfect praise? So Jesus coordinates praise with strength. Praising God is where strength comes from. Let me say it again. Praising God is where strength, when you wait on the Lord, you're not sitting around look, watching your watch like you do in the uh, doctor's office playing a game on your phone waiting for Jesus to show up. When you wait upon the Lord, the Bible says you'll renew your strength or exchange your weakness for His strength. Waiting upon the Lord, what are you doing? Rejoicing. That's how you wait on the Lord. You're rejoicing, hallelujah, in Him. Praise God. Psalm 8 verse 2 contains a remarkable divine strategy which Jesus alluded to in his reference. And that strategy is simply this. Satan is silenced by the praises of God's people. Wow. Satan is silenced by the praises of God's people. If you really believe that, you'd never shut up. And especially when you walk through the door and it's time to gather together and, and, and meet with the Lord together, my goodness, you'd be praising and shouting and worshiping. And I'm, you don't always have to. I say shouting because I'm a big mouth and that's just the way I am. And I know that. But the Bible does say shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And it doesn't say bring forth the shouters. You understand? Bring forth the shouters, those that are naturally, you know, uh, have that personality, the proclivity that they're outgoing. Let the others, they can be like scholars or something like that. No, everybody should be shouting. Everybody should dance. Everyone, he's lifted all of our heads. He's the glory and the lifter of my head. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. See, God is about a nature change. And he's about taking the old nature, whatever it was, and turning it into a child of God nature. And children of God rejoice. Because rejoicing silences Satan. That strategy is so powerful, so powerful and effective, that even young children can shut down the devil with demon-binding effectiveness by praising God. 
because God does the work through, the, through praising. Rejoicing in the Lord is truth speaking, faith speaking. So notice that the psalmist declares that the purpose of praise is to still the enemy and the avenger. That's exactly what Psalm 8 says. You have ordained praise to still the enemy and the avenger. So I thought, hmm, still is kind of a, sort of an anemic word, isn't it? You know, I used to tell my kids, be still. They fidgeted, they just, there was no being still. In the back seat, we'd be driving to Florida on vacation, 18 hours in the car, and they're just going nuts in the back seat. Y'all be still back there. Don't make me pull, o- don't make me pull over. But the word still just never had an impact. So when I hear praise has been ordained by God to still the enemy, I see it a devil that just doesn't pay any attention. He's just hopping around, jumping around, still doesn't work until I looked it up. So thank God you can look up those words. I looked up the word still in the original Hebrew that, that uh, it was written in, and it has a much more powerful meaning than be still back there in the back seat. It literally means to cause to cease, to cause to fail, to cause to be lacking. Ooh, wouldn't you like to make the devil lack? He's constantly trying to make you lack. Wouldn't you like to turn around and say, uh, you know what, I rob you. Amen. <laughs> it also means rid. Yeah. Ooh, wouldn't you like to be rid of that constant harassment? Constant badgering. We've all been there. The devil uses everything from the rubber of flat tires to bills to jobs to other people to your loved ones. He's operating constantly. Wouldn't you like to be able to be rid? Rid of it. Cease, fail, be lacking. So praise has been ordained by God to cause the devil to cease. To cause him to fail. Why is it that it's always believers that are failing when the devil's jumping on them? You know, I want to see it recorded in the annals of spiritual history that we put to flight a thousand and when we teamed up with somebody, 10,000, and that demons were failing all over the place. When I read about those battles in the Bible, when God would show up on the battlefield, the enemy would fight against himself. The army would show up, God's army would show up, and the only job they had was to pick up all the gold and the food and the clothing and and, uh, all that stuff. The fighting was over with. Talk about cease. And what did that? Praise did that. Praise did that. So if God did that on a human battlefield, what do you think is happening in the spirit realm when you start praising Him around your house? When you start praising Him in church, when you start praising Him wherever you go, let His praise continually be in your mouth. How many of you had a little more praise this week than you did previous weeks after that message? Yeah, good, good. Praise God. A couple little bold. You guys are really, man, I'm telling you. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get you, we're going we're gonna to get you reactivated Reactivated, praise God. Listen, most Christians are completely unaware that their daily life is at the center of controversy in the spirit realm. Your daily life 
Your simple going to Aldi's because they got the cheaper avocados. Whatever it is that you're doing, going to work or you know, sitting at home doing whatever you're doing. Your daily life is smack dab at the center of a great spiritual controversy going on around us in the spirit realm. Your troubles are often the result of satanic conflicts for which you hold the great key to victory. And that key is rejoicing. You've got the key to lock that thing up, to rid the devil, and to bring those forces of darkness down if you and I would just make a habit, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's what the psalm said in our opening scripture. Let all that seek the Lord rejoice in you. That's the first step. Rejoicing changes things. Rejoicing is where change comes from. Praise God. When you're rejoicing, what's it doing? It's magnifying the truth. You can walk around with a head or a heart filled with the Word of God, filled with truth, but you are still being knocked around like a pinball in a pinball game until you open your mouth and begin to rejoice in the Lord. When you rejoice in the Lord, you are declaring truth. You are establishing the truth. You are magnifying the truth. And that has an impact in the spirit realm. When you rejoice in the Lord, you're declaring your allegiance. The enemy treats you like he's not really sure how allied you are with Jesus. He's not really certain if you're walking in the Spirit. So let him know. Open your mouth and begin to praise God. You say, well, I don't know. I, I, did a, I had a moral boo-boo yesterday. I'm not trying to trivialize or minimize sin. I, I'm just trying to show you that these things should never stop the rejoicing. If you knew how valuable, how potent, how powerful rejoicing was, you wouldn't let anything stop those praises from coming out of your mouth. Certainly don't let the devil come and sit you down and talk to you and say, you don't have a right to praise God. And start pointing things out to you. Remember communion today. Your right to praise God is something Jesus worked out for you 2,000 years ago. When you are rejoicing, it causes Satan to fail. Now look, Satan uses feelings of obscurity and insignificant as poisonous weapons of the mind designed to confuse you in battle and keep you from realizing your importance. Think about it. Those feelings of insignificance, those thoughts that you're obscure and your life doesn't matter, those things poison your mind. They shut you down. They ensure that praise never comes out of your lips. And listen, there's only one thing the devil worries about. Do you think that the devil gets points every time you sin? Why does he keep tempting you then? What does he get out of it? This hit me as a young Christian many, many years ago because I, I got saved after being an, an orthodox atheist who never read a Bible, never prayed once in my life, never went into a church. So I had no idea who Jesus was until one night I got, he saved me. So that was my introduction. 
So, you know, I asked the basic questions that people who had no religious upbringing tend to ask, which is, well, what's the devil get out of sin? Why is he always tempting us to sin? That's a, I thought that was a pretty fair question. So, all of a sudden I realized the devil gets nothing out of us sinning except one thing. The condemnation that is left behind shuts down the praise of God, robs the rejoicing. He's just taken a soldier off the battlefield simply by getting you to be quiet. Do you know how many Christians are walking around saying, saying oh, I love the Lord in my heart? You're AWOL. You are. You're AWOL. You say, what's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. This walk with Jesus is a battle, and this world is a battlefield. And there need to be some vocal Christians. And I'm not talking about annoying people running around irritating everybody, getting in everybody's face. I'm talking about getting in the face of the atmosphere and praising God and worshiping the Lord, blessing the Lord. Excuse me while I praise the Lord a little bit. People can think what they want. I'm going to sing my song in the meat department. Hallelujah. So you're at the center of a great struggle. You're fighting in a crowded arena. You need to realize how important you are. Satan stands against you with accusations. He challenges your rights as a child of God. He does it in a number of ways. He, he, he constantly uh, uh, points out your faults to you, and he questions your right to the will of God. He slips those thoughts in your mind. You don't have a right for God's perfect will because you haven't been walking in perfection. He always seeks to maneuver you into defending yourself on the merits of your own righteousness. You go through those battles in your mind. You think, well, I'll do better. Oh, I fell, you know, I'm not. And you're, you're arguing in your mind about whether you should be bold as a Christian based on how well you've done in your own righteousness. The devil maneuvers you into that place. God never leads you into that place. God says, praise me. Worship me. You're my child. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. I have you sitting here in my right hand. Come on. And, uh, and uh, be an ambassador for Christ and lift up praise to me. Glory to God. We'll work that other thing out in the process. Right? You get what I'm talking about? Satan tries to maneuver you into a position of self-defense rather than relying on your position with the grace of Jesus. But always remember this, your rejoicing has powerful consequences upon the spiritual forces that want to use you as a pawn. It's always about taking the rejoicing out of your mouth. Praise the Lord. You know, you can silence the devil's claims against you no matter how much evidence he brings. And does he bring evidence? Oh my gosh, we feed him evidence, don't we? We feed him evidence, we give it to him. And so we tend to sit there and think, well, I deserve this. No, your righteousness and your mistakes are your business between you and God. The devil has no right to deal with you about your life. 
You belong to Jesus. You are his property. You are to live a life 100% off limits to Satan. He has no right. Stop letting him talk to you about you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is the Heavenly Father capable? Is he big enough? Is he strong enough to deal with you? Let me tell you. If he hasn't already, just wait. God will deal with you, but it's always on that level of grace, of acceptance in the beloved. Praise God. You can silence the devil's claims against you without ever having to defend yourself. The first place your mind goes every time you get into one of these mental conflicts is you try to, you know, reach in and come out with something good you've done. Well, you see, I've done this. I paid my tithes. You know, I did, did pray this morning or whatever it is. You're looking for those works. Good works are great. We should have more good works, less bad works, I say. Right? That's good. So, but the point is, when it comes time to casting down the devil's arguments against you, you can defeat him without ever having to defend yourself. Because it's not about defending you. It's a the object, the football in this football game is the praise of God, not you. Hallelujah. It's robbing the field of the play with that football. I don't know, what is it? Sunday. Ooh, we've got to hurry the game. Kick off at one. All right, so the Bucks have a bye week this week. So we can stay here as long as we want. Praise God. So simply rejoice in the Lord and lay claim to your relationship with Jesus. You defeat the enemy not by, you don't even talk with him about you. You talk with him about Jesus. Oh, my beloved. Oh, my Lord, he is so good. My shepherd, Jehovah Rohi, he leads me, he goes before me. You just talk about Jesus. Just begin to rejoice and oh, he is my Jehovah Shammah. He covers me with the presence of God. He's my Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals me. And the devil's there saying, yeah, but you drink coffee with sugar in it. And uh, you're like 30 pounds overweight. He uses that on me all the time. I know that I could do something about it. But it's none of his darn business. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Yeah, it's between the Father and me. He'll use anything. Anything. He's after the rejoicing. Don't. Oh, I tell you what. Yeah, give it to him. I was going to say, don't give it to him. No, give it to him. Just exalt your relationship with Jesus while you're driving down the road. Praise the Lord. And you will slap the devil's mouth shut every time you Begin to praise and worship the Lord. I got two more little quick things I want to give you. That was kind of a long one. These are both very quick, very short. Um, this, the second thing that I want to show you this morning, that rejoicing is an act of faith, not of happiness. So 1 Peter 1.8 says, Concerning Jesus, whom having not seen, you love, in whom, though now you don't see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. And so the Bible says, believing you rejoice. Rejoicing is an act of faith. It is not an act of happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. 
whatever's happening around you. And that landscape changes, doesn't it? But faith depends on God's word. Faith never depends on how things are going. Have you ever noticed? Faith is never based on what's going on around you. Faith is based on the immovable authority of the word of God. Period. Hallelujah. And so possessions, position, and power in this life, they all come and they all go, bringing and taking happiness with them. Comes and goes, doesn't it? But joy is always set before us. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame because of the joy that was set before him. Certainly not the joy in his circumstances. Jesus, did you know Jesus rejoiced at Calvary when he said, Father, not my will but yours? That was rejoicing. When he looked down from Calvary's cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That was rejoicing. He was rejoicing and praising the Father that the Father was willing to love the world in spite of the violence of their ignorance against him. He was rejoicing. Jesus rejoiced because of the joy that was set before him, not because of the way things were going at the moment. In fact, little secret only Jesus knew at the time was that what the devil didn't realize, what his disciples didn't realize, and nobody else realized, was that the very moment they thought he was losing, he was winning. And not only he was winning, but we were winning. And the Hebrews, or excuse me, Ephesians tells us that had the devil at the time known what killing Jesus was going to do, he would have left him alone. Left him alone. Hallelujah. So happiness depends on happenings, but faith, faith depends on the Word of God. So look, it's nice to have joy in your situation. It is. I like having joy in my situation. But it's not always there. It just isn't. It's a reality. It's a fact of life. So if joy is in your situation, where is joy? Joy is always set before us. The joy set before us. Because joy is immovable. Joy, joy can never be touched by what happens in this world. Never. Because it is fixed forever in the truth of God's nature that is unchanging. So joy is forever set before us. The third thing I want to share with you this morning and with this thought we close is that rejoicing is a direction change before it's a mood change. People think that rejoicing requires a change of your mood. Your mood's never going to change. You start rejoicing, your mood will change. Rejoicing is a change of direction. It is a decision to turn around. To make a a realignment, if you will. Rejoicing is all about alignment. Not about feelings, not about mood, not about how you feel. Knowing how to praise the Lord is the secret to the power of God's presence. Rejoicing turns from the tyranny of your emotions and aligns your will with the truth. When everything within you wants to gripe, whine, fall apart. And by the way, if you have to fall apart, 
fall apart in the presence of God. If you have to get angry and cuss, do it in the presence of God. Where God can deal with you. I'm, don't anybody leave here and say, the pastor just said it's okay to cuss. <laughs> this is, I told you earlier, you're a sharp crowd. So I figured you could handle a metaphor. Don't, don't make me regret that. So just, just remember, just remember that when you praise, when you are lifting up praise to the Lord, it's not because you feel great. You might be at your lowest. If you're going to fall apart, fall apart in the presence of God. Say, Lord, this is how I feel, but praise God, my Redeemer lives. Haven't you, haven't you ever noticed the pattern in psalms? You ever notice? Some of those psalms are fabulous. They begin with praise, end with praise. But some of them are just depressing. You, the further the psalmist gets, the darker he gets. And the deeper it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to need to go see Dr. Happy after reading this psalm. But then at the very end, it's like, but praise God, His mercy endures forever. The psalmist always, what's he doing? He's having his breakdown in the presence of God. I'll tell you, if we ever got a hold of that truth and walked in it, praise God, professional counselors, psych, psychologists and stuff, yeah, they'd have to find a date, they'd have to find a little side gig. So, close with this verse, Psalm 89, verse 15. How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. O oh Lord, they will walk in the light of your countenance. When we rejoice, the light of God's presence is before us and we walk in that. So no matter what the situation, let's walk in rejoicing. We rule the atmosphere. God directs our path. Does that make sense? Stand with me. All right, we're going to make a profession of our faith this morning. Now, we have um, all our church members are on, a, um, are on an email or, or text. I've got your number. See, you thought you were just filling out those little visit cards. But it ends up on the pastor's phone in a group. You get those group texts that you can't get rid of. So I sent a group text to you guys, everyone that's on, on the, the Faith Christian Church list, that um, had this confession in it, this list of pronouncements, of declarations, hallelujah, that we use to purge and seize and hold the atmosphere. But, thank God, I have analog copies for those who did not get the memo, praise the Lord. So, Giselle, you want to divide these up? If anybody doesn't have it on your device, we have an analog copy. Now, if you want one of these analog copies, just raise your hand because we're going we're gonna to quote this together. Get the hand up where they can see it because they're not going to see it if you're... Yeah, there you go. Praise the Lord. Did you give uh, some of those, Giselle, to somebody to pass out over on this side? No, give it, give, get a, let's get a second person. We're going to be here all day. <laughs> Hallelujah. I really appreciate those laughs. I do. Praise God. I don't get them enough. And I know my wife's sitting back there saying, No, don't encourage him. But trust me, the messages are better when I'm, 
when I'm happy. So, just, you know, rejoice. That's it. That's right. And laugh if I say something funny. Okay, look. You can take these home and use them around your house. They'll work anywhere. Praise the Lord. Now, Barb's looking at it saying, I don't think I can paper the wall with this. No, no, I mean, you want to... Sp- You don't want to paper the wall. You want to paper your atmosphere with this. So if you've got it, we're going to speak these things together. We're going to declare it in the name of Jesus and make this declaration. And just remember, praise God, this is rejoicing in the Lord. It's rejoicing in the truth. Are you ready? Okay. Number one, Lord Jesus, I praise you and lift up your name in this place. Number two. As I fill the atmosphere with the praises of your glory, be Lord over this environment. Number three. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. My eyes went. May your word rule and your spirit reign here. Next. May the light of your presence fill this place and drive out all darkness. Next, Father, I declare that you alone are the Most High God and Lord of heaven and earth. Glory to God. I hear some voices are beginning to... Yes, let's get some volume going here. Next, King Jesus, the government is upon your shoulders to establish your kingdom through our praises. Glory to God. Let's keep going. As your ambassador, I declare your decrees to be true. And I pray that no lie or deception can succeed in this place. Can you imagine saying that in your home? Glory to God. Take it to work with you. Praise the Lord. Next. With authority to assert your praises, I deprive the devil of his access and displace all his works. And finally... And through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I occupy this environment in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Come on, raise a hand and shout glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I thank you for staying a little extra long. In a moment, I'm going to set you free. I just want to remind you, Michaela Schmidt's here today. She's set up a wonderful table with a bunch of materials back there for you. And I haven't said this up till now, but just so that you can kind of see where my thinking's going. Um, I would like to begin a, uh, a, a uh, cultural engagement group in our church. Anyone who's interested in keeping our body, our church, connected with... God's pro- appropriate response to the uh, things that are happening in the cultural environment around us, I, and you're interested in that, you, you, you'd like to be involved in something like that, I encourage you to go back and talk to Michaela and just say, you know, Pastor was talking about that cultural engagement group. I, just let her know that you're interested because Turning Point Faith is looking to engage with churches and help to support our efforts, whatever we want to do to be able to supply with materials, supply with direction and manpower, and help us do events that God would put on our heart to do. So if you're interested in being involved in something like that, let Michaela know and let me know. Praise the Lord.
All right. Lift up your hands. May the Lord and His light, His wonderful, beautiful light of love, fill and overflow your heart right now. May you go from this house today and may the power of the Holy Spirit pick your feet up and direct your path. May He use you this week and direct you to somebody that is prepared to hear the gospel. When you find them, that you will have discernment in your heart and that you'll be bold and ready to share Jesus. May you go in health and prosper in peace. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Praise God, everybody. Glory. Glory.